0: Welcome to another episode of Extra Voices, an Extra Life podcast devoted to the work and efforts of extra lifers across the nation, as well as the staff of people of the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals that help change kids' health. Well, I know it's been a little while since the last upload. I promise I didn't forget about this thing. A little bit of a cold and also quite a bit of work in the day job and Just doing things with the family uh, made things a little bit tougher to get things going. However, I do have one other piece of content I wanted to make sure I took some time and uploaded for you from MiracleCon. There was one other panel I wanted to highlight, and it is for all those tabletop players and of RPGs. So we're talking things like Dungeons and Dragons, as well as a few other things as well so one of the what we had was it, it was t- termed a D panel but really what it was it was a actor an actual professional actor talking about how to do character development how to interact with people at the table so it became a, a little bit more obviously D being one of the most popular tabletop rpgs uh helped us advertise the panel uh, but chris cuss who led this panel. It was really a a solo effort by him. He is the associate professor of movement at Oklahoma City University School of Theater, and also an avid tabletop RPG player. So he talked about his experience. The audience gave him uh, a bunch of questions as well. Uh, so it was a really good panel, and hopefully uh, I was able to tweak the audio enough. The mic that they used uh, uh, for the the crowd portion, if, if you hear things fluctuate up and down, uh, it's because that came from a wireless mic, which wasn't hooked into our soundboard. So I did what I could with that. So I I apologize if it sounds a little weird and jumpy uh but you're able to hear the pretty well what the crowd is saying uh to Chris uh and you know, tabletop RPGs is something I haven't really fully been into. Uh, it's always something I wanted to get into. And, and now that my kids are getting older, I'm hoping I can kind of have like a almost a second renaissance myself of getting into it because it looks like all the things I would enjoy. Uh, you know, some of the things I enjoy the most in video games are story, character development. So having a chance to create that yourself sounds like a lot of fun, but my actual Dungeons and Dragons experience. I've told the story before, uh, but I need to make sure it's on here again for the extra voices podcast. Uh, I, I first saw some friends, I think I was in the fourth grade and uh, they were playing uh, what I think was their own version of D and D. It really wasn't official, like, uh, from things I've seen before, as far as having different dices and character sheets, it was just a bunch of friends sitting at a table, uh, talking about their adventure. I was like, I had just gotten into the final fantasy video games at the time. So I'm like, Hey, this sounds right up my alley. Can I play guys? Well, here's how cool I was in the fourth grade. Uh, They didn't want me to play at all. Like I had to keep asking and begging. I was like, no, 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 this seems fun. I can do it. Just teach me how to play and, and I'll be fine. So I had finally annoyed them enough to the point to where they gave in. Uh, walked me through the steps of creating a character. I didn't fill a character sheet out. Uh, it was it was something much more uh, like crude. I think it was like a piece of paper or something. And you know, they said put this and this and this down. So I I made my character. I forget what it was at the time. And as soon as I started quote unquote playing. They decided that the thief in the party was going to take all my stuff after the mage of the party cast uh, some kind of confusion spell on me. No dice rolls or anything. All this stuff just hit. So they took all my stuff immediately. They confused me and then they killed me off immediately. I said, well, this is dumb and I never played again. Look, that is an absolute true story and, and how cool I was in the fourth grade to where the D&D bros uh, wouldn't even let me join their game. Uh, I'm hoping my experiences with the kid kiddo are going to be a heck of a lot different uh, whenever that comes, uh, because I, I think it's an awesome world to explore. And actually, some of my favorite extra life incentives that we've gotten are anything like dice and tabletop RPG related. I try to put it in my streams as much as possible. So that's, that's my experience and spin on it. Obviously I don't come from a breadth of tabletop RPG knowledge. So I'm going to go ahead and let the expert talk about it. So without further ado, this is Chris Cuss, the associate professor of movement at Oklahoma city university school of theater. And I will let Chris take it away from here.
1: Uh, I think we're just going to go ahead and get started, and, and uh, kind of jump into this, and then see where this takes us for the for the next little bit. Um, thank you all for coming for coming just to chat about this. I love talking about role playing. I love talking about acting. I love talking about just all things this stuff. Um, just to introduce myself, uh, my name is Chris Cuss. I am a uh, I'm a professor of acting and movement at Oklahoma City University uh, for the last. Uh, nearly 10 years I've taught acting professionally. I work professionally as an actor, as a director, a fight director, uh, both in the local Oklahoma City community area, as well as also nationally. Um, but amongst all those other things that I do in the world of theater and acting and all that great stuff, uh, also I play role-playing games. I've now been playing D&D for probably about 20 years. And um, and I when I was first... Uh, when I was first asked to give this panel at uh, TokenCon earlier this year, I was kind of asked, do you have anything connected to theater and gaming? And I was, thought about it for a second. I was like, well, you know, the it's the funny thing. We, uh, I'm assuming everyone here, you either love role-playing games or you're curious about them. Yes, yeah, we all love role-playing games. Yeah, role-playing games are fun. Um, and yet it's really funny. That first term that's right at the top of that, role-playing games, Especially, I find with D and D, I find myself very often. It's very easy to uh, descend into, oh, it's just all about mechanics. Like, how can I play this game the best? And um, I thought about this panel and the or, or, or this, this, this kind of just section to talk about role and actors' approach to role playing, because I feel like so often when we're playing games, our mindset is very much, I need to win. Yeah. I need to. I need to win at this game. I need to do my best. I need to do the most awesome thing. There's a, there's also a social pressure, and that's connected with role playing. Uh, when playing like these these cooperative, collaborative storytelling games, that you kind of want to look good doing it. You want to be. You want to be good at it. I want to be good at this thing, and um, so uh, and so. I think a lot of times in our effort to be good at the thing that we do, the, to to do the best job, to do the be, be the best fighter, be. You know, come up with the coolest moment. We kind of lose a lot of that collaborative storytelling, role-playing aspect of just okay. How? What? We get really focused on the mechanics, and I think this is particularly true with D and D. Can I just get a show of hands? Like, folks in here, you play Dungeons and Dragons in some way, shape, or form? One of the editions. Okay. Anyone here play anything? Other than Dungeons and Dragons, as far as role-playing games, cool. Could I get just here, like some examples of of games that you like, other other than dun- role-playing games, other than Dungeons and Dragons, that you just love? Masquerade. Masquerade? Oh, Vampire Masquerade. Yeah. Sorry. Conan. Yeah. Pathfinder. Oh yeah, great. Huh? Wondering. I I have not yet played that one. Yeah yeah. Any others? Blades in the dark yeah um, i've I, w- I, w- I will say just from my experience and again i 'm by the way while i 'm talking here and i 'm talking about like an actor 's guide to role playing this is just my this is just things that i 've done that have been successful for me that I offer for this, but I will say that I think something i 've noticed particularly with something like Dungeons and Dragons and I realize the the, the little sign out here said d and d panel this is not d and d specific by any means um, I think d and d just being the big popular one that everyone knows um, D&D, I think D&D and, and Pathfinder to an extent, um, while they're ma- these massively popular games that I think have just, you know, they've gone through so much playtesting, they've streamlined it, they've done such a good job, because they've got so much mechanics built into them that you, um, it's very easy to play the game. It's very easy to successfully play a game like Dungeons and & Dragons and not really role play at all. You just show up. I do it. My I, I do the thing. I've got a sword. I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna hit him with my sword. Great. I'm gonna do this much damage. Great. My turn's over. And then you're in the town. It's like okay. Um, I go to the shop and I look for a thing. I ask him about this. I buy. I got gold. I buy. Like it can get so mechanical. Kind of in the same way, a lot of video games have got mechanical. Like you, you have the whole gamut of video games that go from. These wonderfully immersive games that are very open world, you can do whatever you want, and then others, games that tout themselves as open world games, but in reality, no, we know those, yeah, where you're really not. Um, And I think sometimes we inadvertently do that to ourselves with role-playing games. We want to play in a big open sandbox, but when we're presented with so many options, we get overwhelmed by it, and we just get really focused on how can I beat the game, how can I win the campaign, how can I kill the dragon, whatever that might be. So... Um, my first thing I'll just say is that yeah, I love I lo- I love I love playing other role playing games other than D and D. We live in a wonderful golden age of role playing games now, isn't it just wonderful? All the wonderful indie games that are out there. Um, I found I've actually learned more about role playing by playing games other than those really mechanics heavy games. Um, a game that we recently played, my partner and I, along with some friends, we uh, gave a gave it gave a, a spin on uh, Kids on Bikes, a wonderful very simple game of feels like got that nice mix of stranger things slash goonies whatever you're playing characters that don't have any powers and then they run into a superpower character the the, the supernatural comes, crashes into into the mundane and what i've found really worked well about the kids on bike system is that when i played as the game master i was just setting up the game and it was Everything was the group coming together, deciding. Oh well, we. Uh, well, actually, it just so happens I have a CB radio. I didn't make them roll for that. They didn't have to determine that ahead of time. They just decided. No, it makes sense for my character to have a CB radio, so they have a CB radio, and I go do this thing. And there's there's this openness. Whereas, like in D if you just said, "Well, I just have a a sword that is really good against that enemy," it's like, "No, you don't." And there's always that kind of there's a little bit of that tension, that struggle between the players and the DM, where the players really want to do cool things. You kind of have to earn it, or you have to buy it, or you have to find that thing. Um, so I found the role-playing games that really opened up the role-playing aspect to me are the ones that were typically very uh, rules-light. Not, again, not saying D&D has to. Um, another game that I think, man, I would say I don't think I've had as rich or as I, I'd say as palpable of a role-playing experience as when I played um, the one-shot uh, RPG Dread. Has anyone here played Dread? Has anyone, um, if you haven't heard of Dread, I highly recommend it. Oh my god, you will have a blast in one sitting. Um, Dread is an, RP, is an RPG that's, instead of rolling dice, it's a Jenga tower. And every single time you have to do a thing, every single time you have to uh, just attempt what we would what we'd often check to, a skill check or something, you have to pull a block from the tower. If it's, mo- if it's a harder to challenge, if it's like, oh boy, you're really going to have to try, maybe you have to t- pull two blocks I think when we played ours, there was like one point where I had to pull three blocks and it was like, and Dread, the A, the game, they usually, I think they usually, uh, if I remember correctly, the, the, the rule set is a very short PDF that you can get. And yeah, you build your characters pretty quickly, but it's supposed to be something that's scary, not necessarily horror based, but scary, something intense. We played essentially a game that was um, an alien the movie type game. Like you were, we're on a ship in space. We find a derelict ship in space. We go into it. There's something in the ship, and we're now trying to get the survivors and get out. Um, but the way Dread plays is that you pull the pull the blocks, and then if ever the Jenga tower falls, whoever pulled the block that caused the Jenga tower to fall, your character dies somehow from that action that you did. Then if other if everyone else is still alive. You rebuild the Jenga tower. You pull a number of blocks equivalent to wherever you are in the story, and then you keep playing. And you either keep playing until the story is over, or until everybody has died. And I'll tell you, there is nothing quite as visceral for me as that experience when I had to pull three blocks towards the end of the game. The tower the the tower's very wobbly, and I'm like trying something really hard. It's like I'm going to do this very heroic, sacrificial thing. I don't want to die, but I'm fully prepared to the reality that my character could die right now and I'm out of the game, but I have to pull three blocks. And so there's something connected to that real physical stakes of I am doing a physical action while I'm also engaged in the story. My Y'all, my hands were sweating. They were shaking. I had multiple times had to like stop and like, whew, okay, okay don't think, don't think, just do, just do, <gasps> oh, thank God, and you, the, it, the tower wobbles, everyone's engaged, and then it doesn't fall, and it, it's, it's triumphant, it's exciting, I remember that experience so much more, like, that's in my top experiences of role-playing moments, way beyond anything I've done in most, I would say most things I've done in D&D, where like, oh, it's something really hard, I'm going to roll a D20, again, not saying, not here to bag on d or other games that use that system, but when they're, I think the more mechanics we get, we tend to then, inadvertently, rely on those mechanics so i just have some i'm going to offer some suggestions of things that i use in approach to acting when i teach acting when i use acting for myself that might be useful for you Um, the first the first big thing is that um uh, a lot of stuff that i take uh, a lot of this in case you're interested at all in the world of acting i can point you to some books the first one is i pull a number of elements from um a book called called uh, Audition by Michael Shurtleff. And Audition itself, the book is very outdated, but as far as like a lot of things, they talk about like, here's what you should do to break into the industry. It's like horribly outdated, like 80s, 1980s outdated. But there's in a section there's a thing called the 12 guideposts, and then in the 12 guideposts, there's like a list of things that you should know about your character. And I look at that 12 guideposts, not from the acting side of things for teaching acting, but look at it for role playing. I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff in here that's really good. (laughs) Um the biggest thing i would say like the first thing before anything else is really really lean into the reality that your character does not exist in a vacuum you showed up to the game with your background already figured out maybe you have maybe you're someone who like likes to write just a big long epic story of of who your character is before they showed up cool great but that's, like, so minuscule. I've, I've, I've found in most games I've played where I've had really successful role-playing experiences, the, the story that is actually interesting and the best role-playing moments arise not out of the really cool, awesome backstory that I came up with, but the moments that arose between characters. So really get interested in the others in your group. I would say probably if you want to have a really successful role playing experience and you want to like really be invested, don't worry about your character worry about everybody else's character, be interested in other people's character cuz this will do two things for you. One, it'll immediately connect you and will immediately define that relationship. Um, cuz I think that's the heart of role playing. What is my relationship to others? Why am I am, why am I hanging around with this idiot bard all the whole time? And, and and it could be and while like we could I'm sure we could all share horror stories of like of players that have done like really dumb things and really irritated us or anything like that. But while you, the character, might ir- irritate you, it's it, use take it as an opportunity, a challenge. Why would my character keep hanging out with this person? What about them? What about them interests me? Maybe it's maybe you know what? Like oh man, you know what? If I leave them alone, they're gonna die in the wilderness. So maybe I feel a sense of uh, a, a desire to take care of them, or or maybe it's quite simply. I'm trying to figure out what their secret secret is, and I want to know what 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 is going on with them. So the heart of role playing is really connected to that idea of relationships. What is my relationship to somebody else? And because remembering, ultimately, I think the re, I, okay, I'm gonna I'm just gonna speak for me. Don't mean to speak for anyone else in the room. Um, for me, the heart of role the reason I role I play these games, I play any games honestly ever, is because I want to hang out with my friends. Yeah, I. I mean, yeah, dragons are cool. Armors awesome. Fantasy stuff is really, is really awesome. And of course, that's why I want to play that. Um, I love sci-fi. I love fantasy. I love, I love pretending, but ultimately I want to hang out with my friends and I want to tell cool stories while we do that. So remembering that the relationship is what's important. Being with other people is what's important. Um, and so lean into that, have fun with that. Um, to use an acting term, share the spotlight. Now there might be a, ter- a moment where the game master, th- th- whoever, turns to you and like gives you an opportunity to do something, and yeah, you get to do something really cool. But I always try to think, okay, I'm doing this cool thing, but what is the cool thing I do? Would it maybe set something else? Would it set something up for my warlock to get a chance to do something really cool, or would it be, or would I be able to um, instead do something that might uh, offer up, or even like, you know what, I've got this really cool item, but you know what, I think they could do something even cooler with it. So like, give it to them, pass it to them. Run around the room, playing playing hot potato. I don't know, but sharing the spotlight. And one of the easiest ways to share the spotlight when you're in a role playing session, if you're like sitting in the session, because I realize right now I'm talking very abstractly. So let's get down to real something concrete you can do in the space. Ask questions. You ask your you ask your game master questions all the time. Can I do this? Where are they? What um um uh Can I check for a trap? Whatever. But how often do you actually turn to your fellow players and ask them questions about their about why they did something or more importantly like what they think about something how they feel about that what is going um, I know how I feel about something but what do you think about it like really turn around and ask them questions ask their, their opinions um, and you might if nothing else get a perspective on on the situation that you might not might not have originally had that might make you think about things differently gives you an opportunity to if nothing else some cool role-playing moments um, we recently played a played a campaign that, that we played a Uh, through Curse of Strahd and there was a moment where things were looking pretty rough for us and our barbarian character, his attitude about everything was like, I just want to bring justice to the world. I will kill everything. And meanwhile, my character was like really having a hard time with stuff. I I was kind of I was getting very disillusioned. Not me, the player, but me, my character was getting very disillusioned with, like, why are we even doing this? What's the point? What if we just gave up? And and uh, my character was a little bit of a drama queen. Um, but then it led to a really wonderful role-playing moment where I just, like, kind of... They were all, like, really invested in searching for treasure and getting loot and all that stuff, and I was like, I don't even care, and I walked away. My barbarian could have kept on just doing his thing. Instead, he came over, and, like, I'm, like, sitting up on top of the wall of the city where we had just kind of burned everything. Um, and he sat down with me, and he just asked my opinion, like, how you doing? What's going on? And we ended up having, like, a lovely, like... 10 to 15 minute role playing conversation right there in the middle of our game flames licking around the city is and just kind of like looking out over the over the over the the vista and just like what's the point of it all and we like had a really kind of wonderful heart-to-heart thing granted the actor that was playing our barbarian character is also an actor and so he kind of picked up what i was putting down but it all started because he asked me a question so that'd be my first thing the concrete thing i'd say when you're role playing i'd say don't neglect your fellow players and just asking them questions and not questions about like what do you think the best way to do this thing is but just ask them how they're feeling what's going on with them Um, also uh, and I think connected to this is also um, uh, bringing it to one of the big questions that Michael Shirtliff asks in the book Audition is he asks where is the love? Um, I think a lot of times Yeah, a a lot of times our characters are defined by what the thing we hate. Like, this person did me great wrong, and so I'm going to get vengeance, or um, I really hate goblins, and I'm going to cleanse the world of goblins, or whatever that might be. A lot of times, a lot of times our characters, are, it's very easy to, to define the thing that we're fighting against, because all these games have fighting in them, so we we get in the mindset of, what is the thing that I'm fighting against? What is the thing I don't like? I don't like injustice. I don't like that. I don't like this. But get, rather get back to, what is this, what are the things that excites, interests your characters, that pulls them, that draws them, that's a magnet to their soul, that pulls them in? and use that as maybe a touchstone rather than if it's a, if it's things I hate, you're kind of always pushing things away and that often leads to a, uh, a death knell for role playing instead of I see that thing, I gravitate to it, I want to be a part of it, I want to know what's going on here. So it, it, it could be just quite simply asking yourself, what is it something I love, what is something I love about this other character, what is something I love about this town, what is something about this place's vibe that gets me going? Um, really just kind of leaning into that, that aspect of it. And I think that ultimately brings me down to, again, another f- simple acting moment. Role playing, role playing I, I think a lot of times comes from the qu- big question is the, D, the, the GM, the DM, whoever asks you what you want to do in your big question I- and your response is, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I go. Like there's a lot of either I guess I, I do this or I, I'm just going to do this. Um, I had, I had an acting professor who once told me never say the word just when you're define when you're defining what you're doing because just is a, is a just communicates that you don't believe this is what you're doing is important so why should anybody else so uh, one of the so when we're when we're asked what do we want to do if you don't know what to do again you can turn to somebody else I'm not sure what do you think we should do turning to your friends and then The other thing that often kills role-playing, but instead flip it and turn it into into an opportunity to let it inspire you, do, oh, I'm going to try this thing, is the very simple, it's almost a cliche, no, it absolutely is a cliche at this point that people have heard about it, whether they're in the world of acting or not, and that is the um, improvisational rule of yes and. The yes and rule is wonderful and it's great. It's somebody's going to try something, I wouldn't have done it that way, maybe I even think what they're doing is wrong. Oh my God, they're going to get it. They're going to spring a track. Oh my God. Have you even bothered to check if that's a mimic? Have you like whatever that might be? They're just, but you know what? Embrace failure. Embrace the fact that things might mess up. Things could go wrong because honestly, that's a lot more interesting than succeeding all the time. Um, the, the, again it was it was an, it was another oh um there there was some there was some video we were watching where they were making fun of D&D uh and encou- D&D encounters and one of the characters said if anything goes slightly wrong in this campaign it'll be or, it'll be very inconvenient because like the people, like I can't tell you how many times a DM where I like I, I'm running I'm running a combat situation. It kind of seems like they kind of the players just beat everything I could possibly throw at them without really any breaking a sweat, and that's not on them they, if they do a good job. They do a good job, but if something goes horribly wrong, rather than being getting mad at it or pulling away from it, lean into it. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take that damage and see what comes from it. I'm going to, you know what? I made a mistake. I should have tried something, but instead of walking back, hey, could I try something instead? Nope. I already made that decision. I went for it. Or you can, a wonderful way that I think you can really set yourself up is to not be awesome, not be cool, but can make for really fun storytelling is um, av- is avoid min-maxing your characters, avoid like doing what you, especially especially for any of us who have played role-playing games a lot. We get a pretty good feeling of oh I know this this collection of spells just works so well together or this ability with this feat with this weapon with this blah 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 whatever it might be all like chains really well together so I can have these awesome epic moments yeah that's fun Um, but instead I took a character I made a character who was a a tabaxi rogue and it really amused me that he was a not as a rogue but not interested in stealing treasure instead he was interested in secrets and that was his thing that he wanted but as a tabaxi it also amused me that he was constantly picking things up and messing around with them and playing with them and knocking them on the floor and something like that and um he got a few spells and i was like i could pick the most the the clearly most powerful spells in the book or i could pick the spell that really amuses me because it's basically a ball of light that he's using to mess around to mess with people and i and so i picked a a less powerful spell just to challenge myself. What can I do creatively with this? So intentionally avoiding min-maxing your characters. Instead, pick something that's like, well, I feel like this spell works for his personality and I'm going to try to just see what I do with it. I'm going to force myself. I'm almost going to put myself in a less powerful position just to see what I I come up with. And yeah, it wouldn't be... It's not the best way to play the game, but again, we're not trying to I'm not. I should say I'm not trying to play a game, to where I just do the awesome thing all the time. Because you know what? If everything's awesome all the time, then nothing's awesome. You've played those games where like everybody does really cool, awesome things, and then after a while, it's like you kind of you don't have that excitement anymore. This kind of goes away. It's just like oh, everyone's super powerful and awesome, and so no one's awesome because everybody's basically a walking god. And um, so I. But instead, if you allow yourself to like kind of be, I don't know, handicapped a little bit, hamstringed, uh, deficient in an area intentionally and then see what you can do creatively with that then when you do get those awesome moments you feel like you've earned it and you feel and or if you were able to do something that sets somebody else up for something you feel like it's you're working together that that wonderful feeling of of group accomplishment. Um, so yeah so a, a big a big thing that I would say is just as an actor's g- and, and, and speaking as an acting teacher I always remind people What we're doing is always together. The story that we're crafting is always the group together. It's not, I show up and I do a cool thing, then you show up and you do a cool thing, and maybe together it'll make a story. Instead, I try to go in very intentionally and just say, I'm going to try to do my best to make everybody around me look good. And you know what? If all five people at the table are all doing that, everybody's making everybody look good and setting themselves up for things. And and essentially, you now have five brains helping each character rather than the single brain and all the pressures on me to do cool things all the time and to make and to carry the story um and and I think in doing that you find that you're able to you might come up with a solution that's better than than what you would have done on your own um, I'm just gonna speaking as a speaking as a as a professional theater maker um, I direct I direct a lot of shows I direct I direct I fight direct I do a lot of I do a lot of stuff on the guiding overall vision side of things when it comes to shows and when i first got into to, into directing my my professor asked me why do you want to direct why do you want to do this and i said well i love i love i just have a lot of ideas and i'd love kind of i'd love to kind of like guide the show and make it do things the way i want to do them and he said okay that's cool That's fine." But what if somebody else there has a good has a has a good idea that could also contribute to that to the show? And I was like, and I was like, I hadn't even thought of that. Like, I, I was a young director, just I just wanted to, I kind of wanted to be in charge. Um, and one of the big things I learned is that, looking back over my career of as a theater maker of shows that I've directed that I think have been really successful. The most powerful, palpable moments, the moments that took my breath away, the moments that brought me to tears, the moments that people come up to me afterwards after the show and say, I love this thing that happened. I love this moment. I love this 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 thing that happened uh, between, between two of the characters or whatever. I honestly cannot tell you. With each time, I cannot tell you whose idea that was when it happened i can tell you what happened in the space but i can't tell you who came up with the idea it's probably a combination of i gave a direction to the actors but then i also always encourage my actors try things that i don't tell you to do just just try something and i'll react to it probably something the designers probably already had a piece of music they were already using in mind or a, or a prop piece that gave the actor something to work with and ultimately out of that grew something that was bigger and better than something I my brain ever would have come up with and I feel like I'm a fairly smart guy I've been doing this theater work now for a long time and I feel like I can come up with some pretty cool ideas but the ideas the thing what actually ends up happening in the space those wonderful tangible visceral moments that the audience has that's like ah that was that was magic I can't tell you who came up with it. It was probably by committee. It's collaborative through the group. So I try to keep that in mind whenever I'm playing in a role-playing game as well as like as much as I kn- there are things that I know my character can do that's really cool. I try to leave myself open to where if a character gets an another character gets a neat idea to do something, I'm gonna see what I can do to either support that, say yes and, or If I'm really opposed to what something character, because what if, because what if you just have someone that's like, if they do that, they're going to like ruin us, they're going to break us, they're going to TPK us. The flip side of yes and that I say I would recommend don't use as much, but still you can, it's there, it's it's available to you, is no, but. If it's just a no by itself, no's kill play. No kills forward motion. No kills momentum. No but redirects momentum, redirects the play, allows the play to keep moving forward and also even allows, you could even recontextualize that with maybe what if of this idea of like, maybe we could try that, but what if we do it slightly different? And it then allows your friends to be a part of that process, allows, like, they come up with something that you're just like, oh, I don't really want to go. If we go that way, we will die. But doesn't just tell them, hey, your idea is terrible and you should shut up and listen to me. Instead, it's like, hey, that's a cool idea, maybe we could try th- doing it this way instead. So. Like I would say, like emblazon, emblazon on your brain the yes and with the caveat of no, but, and always, and and knowing that you can always say no. I always believe you have the right, you have the ability to say no. I believe in a, I believe in consent in everything we do. I mean, because even in, even in the imaginary headspace, if if a character wants your character to do something and you're just like no, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for my boundaries. That doesn't work for who I am or why the what I'm doing with this character. I can always say no. But I don't want to stop play I want to keep us working together. The last piece to this before I kind of want to veer another direction or maybe open it up mm-hmm. is so I've mentioned relationships asking yourself where is love being curious about other people and in that being curious about other people that um, brings that brings it to... I think one of the most interesting things with your characters and honestly um I liked I like to know I like to know with my with with characters as a as a DM I'd love to ask, I like sometimes I'll ask my I'll ask my players like what's something that you know about yourself that nobody else knows about? What's a secret that your character has? Like and we have on well it won't be on the new player sheets if one D&D goes the way it's going but current d 5e has the whole lovely system of flaws and bonds and background all that background stuff which I think is very useful it's very but then often it's kind of ignored by a lot of players because it's not very heavy mechanical it's flavor it's role-playing um, but in that I would also tie in the idea of secrets what is decide at least one thing that you think you know about your that, that's a reality for your character that nobody knows about or at the very least these people that you're playing these other people that are on this quest with you they don't know about and if everybody in the group has a secret you both have the desire to what, what is keeping this what is keeping you uh from telling the secret to them answering that question what why am i not telling the secret what do you risk if they find out your secret that immense that immediately raises the stakes makes things like Oh my God! If they find this out, what will happen? Will they think less of me? Will they think? Will they suspect me of something? Will they, um, um, will they n- maybe not trust me? And then, if you know you have a secret and you know there's stakes connected to your secret, then you can also take it one step further and ask yourself, what's their secret? What's the thing that they haven't told me? Um, there's um, help me out, Danny. The Jaharis window. You've yeah you uh, that that uh, sorry. Yeah, the personality. Yeah, the, yeah. There, there's like, there's like uh, the, this idea of like basically what the thing, something called the Johari's window, which is a f- segment of four sections of where you can break things down between things that you know about yourself and things that you know about and things that you know about others. Um, and there's like, if if in this top quadrant, there's the things that you know about yourself and things that others know about you. That's what we call the open arena. The stuff that is in the open, everybody knows this. Over here, we have the things that others know about you, but you don't know about yourself. That's the stuff you're blind to. The stuff that you d- and that again can make for, uh, you can make for really interesting character moments. What if? Um, Uh, if my character doesn't realize that they are incredibly rude every time that they interact or in any social interaction they think they're just being direct but everyone else is like you're being really rude you can decide as your as the player they have no filter they have no filter and they don't realize they have no filter everybody else sees it but but my character doesn't something they're blind to instantly you have something fun to play with the other uh, another quadrant is things that others don't know about you but you know, there's your secrets—the things that you're trying to keep, keep personal and finally the things that you don't know and the things that no one else knows that's the unknown that's the realm that we're going into in a quest we're looking for stuff we're trying to find out what's happening in this realm um, why is why is darkness settled on the land whatever that might be and there you have and now you have a variety of things that either are known to you or not known to you known to others not known to others and now you've got a lot of searching for secrets and being curious about secrets I think will set you up for a lot of wonderful opportunities just to again ask the Questions. What's going on here? What do you think? What are you doing? I don't want to. I don't want to know. Um, you want to try over there? Okay. Yes. And you want to go over there? No. But let's try this instead. And you're and you're creating for yourself, allowing yourself to not be all powerful, all knowing, all the time. Your DM, your GM, whoever, they should have a pretty good handle on the situation all the time. But the rest of the group doesn't. The last thing I'll say, and then I'd like to kind of open this up. Uh, Danny, if you actually wouldn't mind uh, grab, come up and grabbing that real quick because mm-hmm. I want to open this up to the group. Um, it's the one on the table right there. Um, the last thing I'll say is just like we, we live in a wonderful world filled with um, so, many di- so many different so many different game systems out there and we're, we're in a wonderful golden age of it it couldn't be happier we're also living in a wonderful world there where there's so much content out there uh, you all like is, if anyone raise your hand if you if you consume any kind of like real play stuff where you watch it uh, like uh, either podcasts videos critical critical role dimension 20 adventure zone Dungeons and the daddies uh, not another role-playing game all that great stuff there's a lot of really great stuff out there and it's wonderful because it brings people into the hobby the negative side to that is we have now we now live in a world where a lot of people get the idea that that's how you play you play these games watching how they play it and the reality is those are professional actors those are professional voice actors live actors whatever or people who are just who li- they make their money entertaining and so they're having to build these stories in a way that makes it very entertaining to listen to or watch but the very things that make those things entertaining to listen to or watch if you were actually sitting at that table with them you might not actually have as good of a time as they are because they're whether they have agreed to it before the camera started rolling or the microphone went on whether they agreed to it beforehand or they just kind of implicitly know it they know they have to create something entertaining for us the the, the larger audience that will enjoy listening to and not be like why are they kind of doing why are they just wandering around the countryside for 4 hours this podcast sucks but unfortunately, like as as like all the good that Matt Mercer has done for the has done for the hobby, and I've got nothing but love for what that man has done for the hobby. Everybody now feels like they need to be Matt Mercer. Every DM feel if whether whether they put it on themselves or their players put it on them, they're like, I need to come up with all these great characters. No, you don't. No, you don't. Role playing games did just fine for the last several decades without Matt Mercer. He's just helped make it more popular in his own way. He's made his contribution. Just like again, all the all those other real play games. So. Th- and I have to remind myself of this, too, because I because I, I consume a lot of that. I love what they do, and I think, it's so much fun. They're so funny. They're so entertaining. They come up with cool stuff. And I have to remind myself, I don't need to be on all the time. I am a prof- I am a professional performer, and I still don't need to be on all the time. It's okay for me to just be like, um, I'm going to go over here. Great. What do you say to him? I'm going to say, oh, uh What's up dude? And just kind of like I don't know. You can you can be silly and you don't have to be super entertaining all the time. You don't have to you don't have to make your bones um, being on. And it's okay if you don't live up to this idea of what you think a player is in your head, because honestly, as great as as great as they've done, we don't need to be that. We don't need to do that. Um, I just I throw that out there, it might seem obvious for me saying it, and yet I even have to remind myself all the time, I don't need to be that way. I don't need to be Matt Mercer when I'm DMing. It's okay, Chris. I don't have I've got a pretty good range of voices and still I don't have 120 voices just ready to go. Good for him. Um, so I've got more I can talk about and and honestly, some more tips I could throw out there, but I do like to like kind of open up because you all showed up, you came and maybe you were just like, just wanting to hear some, here's hear one guy with an opinion, talk about things, but you might've also come to this and being like, okay, this has been my experience. And maybe I, like something I struggle with, maybe it's, maybe it's just like, I never feel good about making make doing weird voices or I I find often find myself kind of stuck in these certain situations. So I kinda wanted to open it up to the group. Like if you had any questions for something you would ask somebody who professionally performs for a living, what to do in a role-playing situation. If you have like anything you'd like to ask, I'd like to just open it up to the group if anyone has something they'd like to ask. No pressure if not, just yeah. Um we've got a microphone. Just make sure make sure it's flipped on. Um, hey, thank you.
0: Maybe too, if you have had a really successful and yeah. playing difficult and you can tell me
1: Yeah. It's cool to hear. Yeah, if you have if you have things that you've done that's like this works for me, I'd love to put in my tool belt. Thanks for
0: Um you kind of mentioned it before
1: Okay, personal opinion when it comes to alignment. Uh, yes, the big the big elephant in the room that often comes up when D D&D, D when D D is talk about. It. Um I love that already, even in even when we got into 5e, alignment kind of became less of a big deal. Especially as they started adding, you know, when they've like lately the last couple of years been adding those addendums where they started saying these races don't necessarily have to be aligned this way, depending on whether or not you're doing it as a as a playable character whatever. Again, I take, I take it as a it's, – it's a, it's a wonderful guideline rather than a rule um, because the reality is, is that I approach both acting and role-playing the way I, I try to let it reflect who I am as a person in real life or, or be reflective of who I am as a person in real life, meaning Chris, 15 years ago, had very strong opinions about certain things in the world. 15 years later, my opinions have drastically changed and my – but be it, be, it, be it having to do with social and political things or just um, what are things I find entertaining or what food I like. Um, so I need to allow the reality that my character can change as well and not because, well, you said you were lawful good and then you did this one bad thing. Now your patron has abandoned you and you are now an evil person. No, I think it's more like if I if I if I if I chose my game starting out and I think oh I think I'm like law, I think I'm lawful good and then as I'm starting to play the game I realize that's not how I'm wanting to play I can allow it to shift and I can use it as a guideline for me but but I think alignment also can be very helpful for me when I'm if I'm not sure what my response to a situation my DM throws out a situation to me and I'm like how do you respond it's like well I know how I Chris respond and oftentimes when we play games we kind of get that first initial response of like who I am. I kind of view myself probably as a little more more um, chaotic good as a as a human being. Me, Chris, probably is more chaotic good individual. I know how I would respond to things, but that's not necessarily how my character would respond. So I have that feeling, and then I'm like, okay, but wait. Is that me or is that my character? And then so maybe sometimes I can look to alignments like, well, my character says they're lawful good and lawful. They really stick to rules and they have these situations. They believe that there's an absolute moral right. So even though I think this, maybe my character goes this way. And then I get this wonderful moment of interplay where like I can decide as a character, do I like playing my character this way? Or do I, you know what, I'm going to start deciding that I want my character to kind of maybe start shifting. And so it might be this this time I'm going to choose that path, but maybe I'm going to look for opportunities where they can maybe begin questioning. The qu- again, I keep on mentioning questions. Questions are a great thing that I found that I keep on asking both other characters and myself how I feel about things. So I don't think, uh, to, to your question, my opinion, I don't think alignment is set in stone. I don't think it should be set in stone because I don't think that's how... Mm-hmm. i don't think that's how he, living beings sentient beings us in this world are in reality so why would it be why does it have to be in our role-playing games rather and 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 yeah um i, th- I do think it's interesting that right now in the play test the the, the character sheet for the one D they took out that whole section of flaws and bonds and i haven't i haven't done I haven't gone deep into all the stuff they're doing because right now they've only given us so much stuff and I know it's going to be playtested and they'll probably adjust it as they go. Um, I maybe, they'll, maybe it'll go on a different area of the sheet. I don't know. I hope they don't get rid of it because I think it's a really wonderful guideline where it's like, I'm not sure how I feel about something. Well, I have this flaw and this character... My character does this thing in this situation. Maybe, if nothing else, that's it, it's a great touchstone to look back to. So, um, but yeah, I'll, I find alignment as a great guideline, but not a rule. And I always, ha- I as the player, always have the right to change it. I try to find consistency in that change. Should I decide, yep, you know what, I'm actually a little bit more chaotic neutral now. I kind of screw my feelings about the, you know this king. Screw him. I'm not going to stick to the rules anymore, and I'm going some. I'm going another way. And it's if nothing else, it's just a, it's a nice little flag, a touchdown from or a, a checkpoint for me to be like, ah, this is my guiding light, but not necessarily something I have to stick to all the time. That's a lot of to say to answer that question. <laughs> uh, other questions or or some or again, yes, thank you. Also, just something like I had this moment, I have had this role-playing moment that really worked for me, or something really cool that happened. Um, something for you that you were just like. Eh. Maybe, maybe unlocked a role-playing moment for you. No? Oh, yeah, yes. Well, uh, so my current predicament is that I created somebody who loves their freedom, and my uh, my DM was really mad at me because I will not join the group because I have not gained motivation to. Ah. My characters use them as weak, and they have not given any motivation to join the group, and so we've been fighting. Okay, so your character... The, yeah, okay, so I love that you mentioned this because actually the very first the very first game I ever DM'd, it was... Yeah. By the way, everyone, this is my partner. This is my partner, Danielle. I call her Danny, but this is my partner. Uh, yeah. And I pl- we played a game with... Uh, I'm going to call out Elena. Danny's sister played a game with us, and she was very much the same way. We're like, her her character's like... like the, the party ran across her. They had an interaction with her, and they're like, hey, you should come with us. And she's like, nah. And I was like, what do you mean, nah? This is my first time DMing, you gotta go with the group. And um, so my question to you, so your character loves their freedom. What motivates your character? What is the thing that like, what does your character want out of life? What are your character, what what draws your character makes them, would catch your character's attention and pull them? Gotcha. And that's a, and that, and and honestly, I mean that's a very legit backstory. And I would say provides, as a DM, it would provide me a, a challenge. Of like, okay, mechanically, I need to get this character to go with the group because this is the story that we're telling. So then I would either wonder, is there something, uh, my, my first my first initial gut, just right here in the moment, not saying, that, not saying you should go to your DM and said, well, this guy at this con said this thing, um, but is there something that could challenge or threaten your freedom, and is there something that the group could offer that might ensure that? Not saying that you're tied to the group, but rather the group is maybe going to help us Ensure your freedom. Ensure your freedom to choose. That would be, fir- be my first like, initial gut as a DM. But then I, would, uh, then I would ask you, the player, a follow-up question of, is there, is there something either in what the campaign... May, not necessarily about joining the group, but is there something like where they're saying, let's go do this thing. Is there, is there anything about that scenario that, insh- that it would interest your character at all? Not joining the group, but the thing that they're going to do. Yeah, that would interest your character. I mean, well, they're kind of forcing me to be with him, but I don't have to be with him. One, because
0: they have a different relation to be but we have an objective now to kill
1: another Gotcha. so so uh, so the the other thing that would interest me and that I would like if i were if i were you the player i would then like just kind of wonder okay what would it mean to be with the group but i'm not with them i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not with them in this in this idea of okay we're walking together but just so you know we're not together yeah because that could because then that, and then i would i would hope as a dm i could set up opportunities to be like to to try to set things up and say okay Honestly, I, I would, as a DM, I would take that as a personal challenge of how can I create some bonds between you and these other characters? Set up those role-playing opportunities. Find something where, like you, where now it's not you sticking with the group because you feel like you're being forced to be with them, but because do you? Ca- I, I would look for opportunities to try to make you care about them. So it's like, so it's no longer I'm being forced to go with them, but like I want to go with them. I want to help them out or. If they go over there, they might die. Or, or I mean, and, and I'm not saying the DM should punish you either. Again, I'm just I'm just spitballing here. I'm, but I'm not I'm not saying the DM should punish you. But there is the reality of like, okay, so everybody goes to the library. You go to the armory. Do you suffer a consequence because you're doing something by yourself? Or on the or on the other hand, does the other group get something really great that that would have interested you, but you miss out on it? Again. That, that, that skirts the line of now punishing a player for doing something, and I do, would never want to punish a player for honestly doing something that makes sense for their character that's not actively hurting the group, because what you're doing is not actively hurting the group. And I've abs- and the, 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 the old axiom, never split the party. You know what? Sometimes split the party. See what happens. Split the party. see Because, again, I just said, make mistakes. Do things wrong. Don't play the... Don't, don't metagame and if you mess up and something goes wrong, you know what, those are some great opportune moments for you. If, you. if you create challenges, if you create things for you to overcome and you make them harder, then when you do overcome them, it's just that much more satisfying. So, I wouldn't say you're wrong. I would
0: play that's like kind of like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's and that's that. Yeah, that's kind. That's kind, and that's also an opportunity. That's kind of like a. a fl- that's even a, another way to look at the no but, of, they want to go do this. You don't want to, but how can I say yes? To this it's like okay, I'm gonna come, but I'm gonna do this instead. I'm gonna look for this with it, or or we'll go do that, but then we're gonna do this because like I think this is important. Whatever that might be. um, and here's the other the other reality. I'm just talking to you, one person, um, who I'm I could say this, and you could put this into practice. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the rest of your party is going to go along with you on that, or the DM is going to honor that. Uh, which I mean, you can o- you can totally like you know have conversations with folks and say, hey, I, this is what I'm feeling about the character. I'm not trying to be difficult, but this is ha- this is what they're feeling like. So what we need to you know I'd like some other motivation to get there because that's the other like it's it's a negotiation role-playing collaborative role-playing is a negotiation with folks just often we're doing it in real time while we're playing but you can also have conversations out of game of just this is what my character's feeling what's going on um, so we're just we're just about out of time so um, I just want to I just want to leave you with uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do that. Uh, I just want to leave you with one o- with one other just thought of when you're when you're playing role playing wh- when you're when you're doing these role playings and you're running into a situation where you're just like I don't know what to do or I don't feel right or just uh, I, I, it doesn't make se- it, or like, the big thing it doesn't make sense for my character to do this. That's not my what my character would do. Remember, you're not. It's kind of back to your question we're not slavishly bound to to it because we because even though yes we're playing a character we're not ever at no point do I I hope I never want to play with this person who's like so in their character that they can't make any decision outside of what their character would do no 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 Pete it doesn't make sense for you to do that thing because you're gonna hurt the group like can you Pete stop stop playing stop playing for a second and talk to me as a person it's it's that it's that balance that we walk as both people who are playing pretend likewise when i'm when i'm acting i don't want to i don't ever want to act with somebody in a show who is so in their character that they forget to look out for my safety as as a fellow actor i don't want someone to be swinging a sword for real at my head i want them to do the choreography that we've done and we've agreed to likewise when we're playing role playing games um remembering that in our role playing that we can always step out of it we can always step away and just and have a moment of like okay this is what my character would do but rather than being slavishly devoted to it allowing myself to sacrifice my ego for the group or sacrifice my ego for maybe my dm seems really keen on this story and you know what giving up control taking my hand off the wheel Collaborative role playing is—we're all—we've all got our hands on the wheel at some point. Some people in the group never want to take their hand off the wheel. Sometimes I allow myself to go along for the ride, and you know what? Just let the group decide and see what might happen if it's counter to what I want to do. They might end up putting me in a situation where, it's like, you know what? I never would have ended up there had I done what I did. But now I'm in this situation. Force myself to be in a place I, my character wouldn't be, doesn't want to be, or they wouldn't have cho- chosen, and then. How do I get out of it? How do I make the best of it? How do I w- make it work for me? Your character loves their freedom. Sometimes letting themselves get in situations where they've sacrificed that freedom, and then how do they reclaim it? Being in a situation where it goes against what I think my alignment is, and then maybe how do I – can maybe can I steer this whole situation to maybe work in the way I view the world should be? I want to try to make the world what I want it to be. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my, la- la- my last piece of advice is um, I'm, we all – Playing, are playing is collaborative, so therefore, uh, I try to check my ego at the door as often as I can. Doesn't mean that I can't have strong opinions about wha- the way I think things should pl- be played, but you know, ultimately, I want everyone to have fun, even if it sometimes means I don't necessarily do the cool, awesome thing all the time. But that's all that I could I could talk forever more about this, and I'm sure we could have more ideas and 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 contributions but uh but thanks for hanging out everyone thank you so much for just coming and listening to me talk and asking some i appreciate the questions and the input that's uh, it's always wonderful to hear that um and yeah uh remember just be nice play more games and uh and uh look out for each other so and cosplay competition is coming up next so so yeah so yeah Oh, sorry. One other thing. Sorry. Just because this group, I I promised I would mention it because this is the group that would totally be interested in. Um, If you love role-playing games or Dungeons and Dragons or anything else like that, um, Oklahoma City University, at the beginning of December, is putting on a play called "She Kills Monsters." It's a play about Dungeons and Dragons, and they like uh, 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 a a young woman gets to know her sister by basically playing her D and D campaign. the The show has. Has kobolds and goblins and sword fights and magic and and maybe even a beholder. Um, so come see. She kills monsters at Oklahoma City University if you are if you are local. Uh, beginning of I think it's the second week of December. So but yeah, just find us online. She kills monsters.